Well, good morning. Just so you know, the lights are off intentionally. My name is Steve Murphy. I'm one of the ministers here at Discover, and we thank you for being with us, especially if you're a guest. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll uh, take the opportunity after the service to go out into the lobby and, and uh, meet a couple people. There's a guest reception there. We'd love to give you a gift and tell you more about the church, and we'd love to hear a little bit of your story. We're going to read the uh, foundational text for our Advent series as we begin the message this morning. He, that is Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Just a quick review of where we've been. Uh, Jordan introduced this series with the hope that we have in Jesus and helped us to see that physical and spiritual poverty can be alleviated through him. Last week we saw that Jesus uh, brings freedom for prisoners, again, both physically and spiritually. Today we focus on this phrase, recovery of sight for the blind. Several years ago, my father served in the army in Germany. He was working in a communications center where a string of large batteries powered some of the equipment. One day while he was cleaning the batteries, something shorted out and battery acid blew into my dad's face and eyes. A nearby sergeant grabbed my father and washed his eyes out under the sink. Then they took him to the dispensary and flooded his eyes with a solution and then covered his eyes with bandages. They told him they would remove them the next day. Well, needless to say, that was a long night for both of my parents. Newly married, they faced the possibility of dad being blind. So when they removed the bandages the next day, they were very grateful to God that he was still able to see. If you're like me, uh, we can easily take our sight and many other things for granted. Sometimes you don't know what you have until it's gone. And the corollary of that is also true. Often you don't know what you've been missing until you experience something for the first time. Can you imagine being blind from birth and then suddenly being able to see? What an incredible blessing. It's so amazing. The, the, the surgery giving sight to those two girls was performed at, the Christian, at a Christian Indian mission in the name of Jesus. And as their mother says, we only want their future to be bright. Well, Jesus tells a story, or not tells a story, is involved in a story, a true story of a man who was born blind, and Jesus gave him sight. Just like those two girls, what a wonderful blessing. So let's turn to John chapter 9. We're going to read, starting in verse 1, this account. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. 
Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Jesus performed a lot of miracles, but giving sight to the blind was one of his favorites. He did it multiple times. Giving sight to the blind was one of the prophecies in the Old Testament that was repeated multiple times as well. And it said that the the Messiah would be able to give sight to those who couldn't see. So this is just one more evidence of the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. But when we read this story, we might think, well, how does that apply to my life 2,000 years later? Well, every time we read the Bible, we should do these same kinds of things like study and reflect, pray, seek wise counsel, and listen. So as we prayerfully unpack this text, here are just a few of the things that I think God might want us to consider as they apply to our lives today. First, consider this. Your challenge may not be your fault. Now, let's be very clear. There are times when we are responsible, fully or partially, for a challenge that we're facing. And in that case, we need to take responsibility and ask forgiveness of God and anyone that we've wronged, and we need to face the consequences. But sometimes we face things that are not our fault. In those cases, we still have to deal with the reality of our circumstances, but we don't have to feel the guilt. We don't have to ask forgiveness. Just as it was then, it is now. That often when someone sees a person facing a difficulty, they think, well, I wonder what they did to deserve that. When Job suffered his tremendous calamity, the the incredible things that he faced, his friends said to him, well, Job, you need to confess. You've obviously done incredible amounts of sin, though he hadn't done anything. And when Paul uh, was, after the shipwreck, he was helping to start a fire, and and a viper came out, a venomous snake that should have killed him, latched onto his hand, and the people with him said, oh, well, this is a justice. He's obviously done something horrible. Maybe he's killed someone or some other heinous crime, and he's getting what he deserved. But Paul had done nothing wrong. This man that Jesus healed, who had been born blind, he hadn't sinned. After all, he was born. He was a baby. He was innocent. Jesus said his parents hadn't sinned. And in in situations like this, we just wonder what's going on. It's difficult to deal with issues that we didn't create. So when that happens, it can be very helpful to remember this. God has power over things we don't control or understand. For those of us who follow Jesus, uh, there is an ultimate healing that is promised. Just as the people in that day were waiting for Messiah to come with longing in their hearts, we wait for Jesus to return with longing in our hearts. 
And when we go to heaven, we know there will be no sorrow or pain or mourning or crying or death or sin. All those things will have passed away. So we have confidence and we trust in that healing that's to come. But we should also look at how God is at work right now, even if the situation doesn't change. Think of this man. When he was a child, he must have asked multiple times, why can't I see? Just as the girl in the video wondered. Well, Jesus moved the question from why to what? What could God do in this situation? What can God do in your situation? While the answers of why often elude us, we can trust the what of Romans 8.28. The truth that God says everything that's happening in your life, God can work all of that for your good if you love him and if you're called according to his purpose. So we can trust in that. This, this overall issue is, is hard for us to understand. There are some really good Christians, some who are suffering uh, very difficult circumstances, who have written, who speak on this subject. Johnny Erickson Tata is one. Uh, Nick Vujicic, or Vojvich is one who also has a lot to say on this, as well as Philip Yancey. So I would just encourage you to check out some of their writings on this issue. Here's another thing for us to consider for our lives today. Jesus addresses physical and spiritual issues. Just a couple of minutes ago, we gave a quick review, an overview of what we looked at already in this series, and we saw that, that, again, God is concerned with our whole being. God looks at us holistically, mind, soul, body, spirit. God wants to care for us in a holistic way. And Jesus addresses the spiritual blindness in this situation. He says, we must urgently work before spiritual darkness takes over. And we all know that there's an urgency we need to have in our world today as followers of Jesus. Jesus is the light our dark world desperately, desperately needs. But Jesus also addresses this man's physical felt needs. He heals him and takes away his blindness. It's so often the case that once our physical situation has been addressed, we are able to move on to spiritual things. And I think God does that very frequently. So Jesus heals this man physically, but you notice he does it in kind of a unique way. Honestly, it's a way that seems a little odd to us. He spits on the ground. Some of you are grossed out by that. But the guy couldn't see, so we maybe didn't know. Anyway, so Jesus spits on the ground and takes the mud and he puts it on the man's eyes. Now, we think, why did he do that? That's kind of strange. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And why didn't he just heal the man immediately? Why did he make him go and do something? I mean, that must have been kind of inconvenient. But you know who doesn't ask any questions? The blind man. He doesn't object to what Jesus says. He just simply does what Jesus asked him to do. And we need to do that as well. 
do what Jesus says. Maybe you've heard the story of Naaman. In the Old Testament, he was a powerful military commander that lived thousands of years ago. And he had leprosy, a skin disease that was totally incurable at that time. So he went to the house of Elisha, a prophet of God. When he got there, he got upset with Elisha for two reasons. First of all, Elisha didn't even care enough to come out and talk to the man. He just sent a messenger out and told him to do something. Well, that made Naaman mad. I mean, he was an important person. How could he be disrespected like that? Second, what Elisha told him to do made no sense to him. Elisha said, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Well, the Jordan River was gross. <laughs> he didn't want to go into the Jordan River. In fact, he says, you know what? I'm not from this area. The rivers in my area are a whole lot better than this stinky Jordan River. Why can't I go to it there? And he was upset. But his advisors, his officers, said something pretty interesting. They said, you know, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something hard, you would have done it, correct? So do this simple thing that he says, and you'll be healed. Go wash in the water and be cleansed. So Naaman consented. He went to the Jordan River, and he dipped in once, twice, three times. He's almost halfway through, and I'm sure he's looking down and seeing absolutely no change and thinking, what am I doing? Four, five, six, nothing. But he said seven, so I'll do it one more time. He dips down for the seventh time, and when he comes up, he is clean, the Bible says, as if his skin was like that of a little child. As the Apostle John says in his, his first letter, the commands of God aren't burdens to us. So when God gives you a message, do what he says. It doesn't matter if it makes total sense to you or not. It doesn't matter if you feel disrespected or not. It doesn't matter if you think you have a better plan. God knows what's best for us, even if we don't. Here's another thing for us to consider from this story, and I'm just calling this the word other. It's very likely that God is speaking to you about something that is not one of the things we're mentioning this morning. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Your, your spirit has this sense of something that God is asking you to do. Do not ignore that. That may be the very thing that God wants you to do. The very person that God wants you to be. So please, please, pay attention to God's leaning, leading for your life. Well, that brings us to one final item to consider from this story. Consider this. People will try to dismiss Jesus. The people of that day, including the intellectual religious leaders, wanted this formerly blind man to denounce Jesus. They challenged him to do it more than once, in fact. If you jump down to verse 24 from our text in John chapter 9, look what it says. A second time they summoned the man 
who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. They told this man, look, we know the truth. You need to admit that this Jesus is not who he says that he is. They didn't know the truth. They didn't know who Jesus was. They thought he was a sinner, which he obviously was not. Now, granted, these people were educated, but they didn't know Jesus personally. And the things they thought they knew were absolutely wrong. In an effort to disprove Jesus and the Bible, some people will provide scientific data or historical information or point to things like the fact that there's still suffering in our world today. And they'll try to dismiss who God is. Well, there is scientific detailed information that points to God. And there is valid historical information that corroborates the truth of the Bible. And there is a reason why we still have to face suffering in our world, challenging as it may be. As 1 Peter 3.15 says, we should always be willing to give an answer, a reason for the hope that we have in our hearts to anyone who asks. So let's be ready with a reasonable answer for, for that hope. And a couple of books that are good places to start on this kind of a topic are The Reason for God by Tim Keller or The Case for Faith by Lee Strobel, and there are many others. And that's valid, and we need, again, to do that. But but there are also times when providing scientific or philosophical or theological or logical explanations, as good as they may be, There are times when a simple answer, like the one provided by this formerly blind man, is the most effective. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. He didn't debate the character of Jesus. He simply stated the one experiential fact that was impossible to disprove. I was blind, now I can see. And Jesus is the reason for that change. The Life Application Bible says this, By now the man who had been blind had heard the same questions over and over. He did not know how or why he was healed, but he knew that his life had miraculously been changed, and he was not afraid to tell the truth. You don't need to know all the answers in order to share Christ with others. It is important to tell them how he has changed your life. Then trust that God will use your words to help others believe in him too. So fill in the blanks for yourself. I was whatever, and now whatever. I was selfish, but now I try to put others first. Jesus changed my life that way. I was broken, but now I'm restored, thanks to God. I had anger issues, but the Holy Spirit has developed self-control in my life. I was a drug addict for 20 years, but I have been sober for five years, and I face each day 
one at a time as God gives me strength. I used to think I, I was good enough to be saved, to do enough good to bring me into heaven on my own. But now I know that I have to trust in Jesus to save me. And he has. I hated the way that I looked. But now I see myself through God's eyes, not the world's eyes. I couldn't deal with my terminal illness. But now I give thanks for each day as a blessing from God. And I see how he has been at work in my life. How do you fill in the blanks according to what God has done and is doing in your life? I don't know everything about God. I don't understand everything about my situation. But this much I know. I used to have this going on. But now everything changed because of Jesus. Would you please sing this simple, profound verse with me? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for turning our darkness into light. And no matter the challenge or the cause of it, you are the solution. We may not understand everything about Jesus or whatever challenges we face, but this much we know. You have changed our lives for good, and you will continue to do so. May we give you glory and honor and praise for who you are and what you do. Give us the opportunity, the wisdom, the grace, and the boldness to take the message of spiritual sight to everyone in our lives. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. God may be moving you to make a public decision today, and if that's the case, we would just encourage you to come forward as we sing especially if you want to give your life to Christ for the first time and, and move from spiritual darkness to light. Or if you've been worshiping at Discover for quite a while and you've already made uh, the confession of faith and given your life to the Lord and you've uh, been obedient to him in baptism and you're walking with him and you say, I want Discover to be my church home, you can do that as well. For all of us, for all of us, this is a wonderful day to celebrate the reality that once we were lost and now we're found. We used to be blind, but because of Jesus, we can now see. Let's stand and give glory to the King of Heaven.